Introducing Amos from chapter 1. The words of Amos, who was among the shepherds of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of King Uzziah of Judah and in the days of King Jehoabim, son of Joash of Israel, two years before the earthquake. And he said, The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem. The pastures of the shepherds wither and the top of Carmel dries up. Judgment against Judah and Israel from um, chapter 2 and chapter 5. Thus says the Lord, For three transgressions of Judah and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because they have rejected the law of the Lord and have not kept his statutes. But they have been led astray by the same lies after which their ancestors walked. So I will send a fire on Judah and it shall devour the strongholds of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel and for four, I will not revoke the punishment, because they sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. They who trample the head of the poor into the dust of the earth and push the afflicted out of the way. Father and son go into the same girl so that my holy name is profaned. They lay themselves down beside every altar on garments taken in pledge. And in the house of their God they drink wine bought with fines they they imposed. I hate, I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. The people refuse to turn back from, to God, from chapter 4. I withheld the rain from you when there were still three months to the harvest. I would send rain on one city and send no rain on another city. One field would be rained upon, and the field on which it did not rain withered. So two or three towns wandered to one town to drink water, and were not satisfied. Yet you did not return to me, says the Lord. I struck you with blight and mildew. I laid waste your gardens and your vineyards. The locust devoured your fig trees and your olive trees, yet you did not return to me, says the Lord. A call to repentance. 
For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me and live. But do not seek Bethel, and do not enter into Gilgal, or cross over to Beersheba. For Gilgal shall surely go into exile, and Bethel shall come to nothing. Seek the Lord and live, or he will break out against the house of Joseph like fire, and it will devour Bethel with no one to quench it. Seek good and not evil, that you may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you, just as he, just as you have said. Hate evil and love good, and establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord, the God of hosts, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Israel will be restored in chapter 9. The time is surely coming, says the Lord, when the one who ploughs shall overtake the one who reaps, and the treasure of grapes the one who sows the seed, and the mountains shall drip sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. I will restore the fortunes of my people Israel, and they shall rebuild the ruined cities and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and drink their wine, and they shall make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant them upon their land, and they shall never again be plucked up out of the land that I have given them, says the Lord your God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shall we pray together? Father, thank you for Alison and for bringing her this evening to preach your word. Please bless our desire to hear from you, having heard your word read. We pray now for understanding. And we pray too for that still small voice that we might recognize what you're wanting to say to your people this night. Bless Alison as she communicates with us. May she too know your blessing upon her life. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. First of all, thank you very much to Helen for reading such essentially a long reading. I get very frustrated sometimes when we only read little tiny bits. And um, I think it's really important to see the flow of the story. Um, For those of you who don't know me, my name's Alison Woodman and I'm a member of the church family here at All Saints Ecclesall. We have two grown-up sons um, and when they were living at home there was a scenario that used to play out very regularly. You might recognise it. It would go something like this. Mum, where's my red hoodie? Well, I would think it's either in your cupboard or in the laundry basket. No, it's not. Well, have you looked in your cupboard? Have you looked in the laundry basket? Yes, I've looked. Yes, no, it's not there. It's just not there. Where is it? Where is it? Let me come and help you. 
Okay, show me that it's not in the cupboard. No, it's not in the cupboard. Is it in the laundry basket? No. Let me show you, show you how to search. And I would open the cupboard and pull out some smelly rugby gear and a box of Lego and an old wetsuit and a Thomas the Tank Engine dressing gown that they wouldn't get, get rid of and all the rest of it. And sure enough, there at the back would be the red hoodie. Now, this scenario always finished with exactly the same comment. Well, it wasn't there when I looked. Interestingly, even though my two sons have uh, now left home, this scenario continues to play out in our house because there is another male in the household. <laughs> it still happens once a week, I'd say, anyway. We'll come back to that. What I'd like to do in the next few minutes is do three things with you, to, something that we can do together. First of all, just look um, a little bit more at uh, Amos, lovely chap. I always think of Amos Brearley from Emmerdale Farm. I don't know anybody else who say Amos. Um, but we're going to just very quickly think about Amos and his message. Secondly, we're going to think of one of the key messages which is in the book of Amos and is God's key message to Israel, and it is, seek me and live. So we're going to explore that a little bit. And thirdly, we're going to think about how we may seek God today and how we may live fully in his blessing. So first of all, uh, Amos and his message. Right, this is going to be really quick, okay? It's a whistle-stop tour. It's a who, when, where, why, what, okay? Really quick, so fasten your seatbelts, buckle up, uh, and we're going to do a really quick whiz through Amos. Really interesting. I, lo I love Old Testament prophets. I think they're the most fascinating characters and what called the, God called them to do was just astounding, and their obedience was just amazing and inspirational. So, who? A shepherd from Tekoa, which is a little town in Judah, not far from Jerusalem. So he was clearly not what we would call a professional prophet, because there are professional prophets in the Bible. I don't know if you realize that. If you think, do you remember Balaam, the chap with the donkey? Yeah, back in Numbers 23, I think. Well, he was paid for his prophecies, and so he adjusted them according to who was paying him. So, but that, it, this was a known trade, a professional prophet. Now, clearly, Amos wasn't. He was a working man. He was a shepherd. Maybe his farm was called Emmerdale. I don't know. But he was clearly a devout Israelite who heard God's call. So that's who. When? Well, he brought his prophecies in the 8th century B.C., probably around 760, 750, which was a time of great um, political and military strength for the northern kingdom of Israel. It, there was great prosperity. The country was just flourishing. But alongside all those positive things, there was also a lot of indulgence in luxurious living. There was rampant immorality, there was idolatry, corruption, and oppression of the poor. 
So that's who, when, where. Well, Amos, interestingly, was called to travel. He lived in Judah in the southern kingdom, and he was called to travel to the north. And bring mainly his message was to the northern kingdom of Israel. So he probably would have gone to somewhere like Bethel, which was one of the main religious sanctuaries in the northern kingdom, because that's where the people would gather for worship. And there'd be crowds, it would be busy. Um, there's a big marketplace, all that kind of thing. He'd have an audience. So that's the when. Sorry, no, it's not. That's the where. See, Barbara's listening, I can see. So why? Well, the Israelites had become confident and complacent in their belief that they were blessed by God and they were in his good books forever. But they were wrong. They had long forgotten how they'd been punished in the past by God for their disobedience to the law and their unfaithfulness to him. And as a consequence of their sins, God would soon bring about the Assyrian capture of the northern kingdom of Israel, only about 40 years away in 722-721 BC. And many of those Israelites would be removed from their, king, their country and taken by the Assyrians and scattered throughout their empire, many of them never to return. And the Assyrians would repopulate much of the northern kingdom with people from other nations, their descendants of whom were the people that um, the Israelites uh, of Jesus' day struggled with, the Samaritans. So who, when, where, why, and what? What was the content of Amos's message? What was the content that God wanted Amos to speak to these people? Well, it was very simple, really, and can be summed up in two phrases. And it was also an extremely common complaint that many of the Old Testament prophets brought. They were false religion and social injustice. False religion and social injustice, the two often go together. False religion in two senses. Firstly, in that they were not obeying the law and they were just sort of going along to the sanctuary, you know, sacrificing a couple of pigeons, you know, covering their backs. But they were also taking part in the pagan practices of some of the foreigners who dwelt in that area as well. It's interesting, to looking, uh, when you're looking at prophecy, I think it's a fascinating subject, but in the Old Testament particularly, it's really helpful to look at the message that God brought through the different prophets who were prophesying around the same time as each other because they often brought quite distinctive messages. And if we look at those messages together, they give us a much fuller understanding of God and of his plans, and his, particularly his plan of salvation. So the other two prominent 8th um, century prophets, as well as Amos, were Hosea and Joel. You'd be pleased we're not looking at those tonight. We're just doing Amos. But Amos, as we've said, a vigorous spokesman for God's justice and righteousness. Hosea, if you're familiar with his prophecies, they speak of God's love, mercy, grace and forgiveness. And then Joel, 
he emphasises God's promise of the future restoration of God's people in their own land. And if you put those together, you begin to see the whole picture of God's plans. Interestingly, David Pawson describes Amos Hosea as the last chance prophet. Says it all, doesn't it? But God's discipline comes after warnings and pleading. And it comes out of a place of love. God's heart is broken. And so judgment will come. However, he does have a glorious future for his people beyond the impending judgment. And a faithful remnant will remain and will return. He will not abandon his chosen people. And he will not abandon his chosen plan of salvation fulfilled in Jesus. So in Amos, we find within it, if you study the text, that there are sort of three mini-sermons. The first one I call the parent's sermon because it goes something like this. After all I've done for you, and yet you have not returned to me. The second one is the one we're going to focus on this evening. Seek me and live. That's God's call to these people. Seek me and live. And the third one is, uh, woe to you who are looking for the day of the Lord. They're the ones who are living life as they want and just looking forward to some kind of future when God would sort everything out and it would all be wonderful. So God's voice through Amos is very clear. This is repeated several times. Seek me and live. So let's just think for a minute what that might have meant for these Israelite people who heard Amos's prophecies. And then we're going to think about what that might mean for us today. Interestingly, have you ever noticed, I always think this is really, in each of the four Gospels, this, does, this is relevant, uh, in each of the four Gospels, what's really interesting to me is what are the first words that Jesus spoke according to that Gospel writer? What was important to that gospel writer as they were putting these things together? What are the first words? And I find it very interesting that in Mark's gospel, the first words that come from Jesus' mouth in the gospel are, the kingdom of heaven is near, repent and... Anyone? Repent and... Begins with B... Believe, absolutely, yeah. Repent and believe. The kingdom of heaven is near. Repent and believe. And in a way, that was going to be the gateway for these Israelites um, to enter into this abundance of God's blessing uh, in repentance and belief. And so God calls them to repent, and that means, as I'm sure you know, turning away from something but then turning towards something else. So they were going to have to turn away from their idolatry and their worship of foreign gods. They were going to have to turn away from their immoral behavior, which accompanied some of those practices. They were going to have to turn away from their indulgent, lavish lifestyles that they'd been enjoying. And they were going to have to turn away from their greed and their oppression of the poor. But they were also not going to lose out because God's blessing would be greater. They needed to turn to God in repentance. They needed to turn to God in faith and trust. 
They needed to turn to God and fulfill the requirements of the law. They needed to turn to God and worship only him. And they needed to turn to God with renewed compassion and commitment to justice and mercy. So how may we seek God today and live fully in his blessing? Well, if you look in a dictionary at the word seeking, the definition is something like this, a desire to explore, to pursue, probe, search, follow, investigate, study in depth, those kind of words. A biblical definition of seeking God might be something like this. A lifelong commitment to developing an ever deeper knowledge and understanding of God and a growing appreciation for who we are in Christ. Seeking is a very active thing. But what kind of seeking is required? Forgive me if I insult 50% of the congregation. It's not man looking. It's not just opening, no, nothing there, closing it. To seek is a very proactive verb. It requires commitment and perseverance. Sometimes it requires the removal of obstacles. And sometimes it requires us to shine light into the darkness. And seeking often starts with opening something. And it may be a cupboard. But sometimes it might be that we need to open our eyes and lift up our heads to see beyond ourselves. Seeking might be a door, opening a door into an adventure. A little bit like in the stories of Narnia, when they went, you know, they opened the doors of that wardrobe and they went in and through and into the wonderful world of Narnia. Seeking might be opening a window into new insight, allowing something to come in so that we might see things more clearly. Seeking might involve opening a Bible, maybe for the first time, and beginning to realize that God's word is the bread of life. So where do we seek God? Well, for all of us, that will be different, but let me make some suggestions. I think everyone would agree that we seek God in beauty and power and majesty of creation, and it's not difficult to seek him there. We do seek him in his living word. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we read and meditate and study and discuss and allow it to reveal more of God to us and allow it to speak to the deepest parts of us and make us more like Jesus. We also seek God in worship, in spirit and truth. As we put our own thoughts and needs and wants to one side and focus on him, We seek God in prayer, pausing to reflect, to ask, and to yield ourselves to God. We can also seek God in the life of other believers. Very often we can see God at work and see aspects of God's nature in other believers, and that is such a blessing. We can also seek God in serving others. Many people have found God 
in unremarkable places. Mother Teresa found God in the faces of those children she served in Calcutta. Jackie Pullinger sought God and found him in the lives of the gangs of Hong Kong. But supremely, we seek God in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph and Mary, the son of God, the lamb of God, the king of kings and lord of lords. Just a couple of practical suggestions, if I may. If we are seeking something in particular, in a particular situation, let's take the example of if we are wanting to perhaps seek God in a really difficult situation where we are struggling to find or see hope. There are practical things we could do. We could get our hands on a concordance or just a computer with Google downloaded will do just as well. And find out, what did Moses say about hope? What did the psalmist say about hope? What did the prophets say about hope? What did Paul say about hope? And most importantly, what did Jesus say about hope? And those things will allow us to see hope in all its facets and to begin to understand how that might be possible in a difficult situation with God's help. The other thing I always try and do once every year is to read one of the Gospels all at once. And I don't mean sit down and read till you've finished. What I mean is sit down and read maybe a chapter or two chapters every day. It doesn't take very long. At the most, it'll take you 14 days. And just read it so that we can see Jesus through fresh eyes and see what he did and how he interacted with people, but see how the narrative flows, see where things build up, see where the tension builds, and we get a really fresh revelation of who Jesus is. Your other option is to download Audible, and you can listen to David Suchet reading it. What a treat. So what did Jesus say about seeking? Well, we've been singing it this evening, thank you, Tina, um, that he said, ask and it will be given you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. God wants us to seek because we learn as we seek. And he has promised that if we do seek him earnestly, we will find what a promise. So to seek and to find is to live fully in God's blessing, a life of abundant discipleship and glorious adventure. I must say, though, if your heart sort of drops at the thought of adventure, there are many different kinds of adventures. Some of them are loud and noisy and dramatic and exhausting. But some of God's adventures are quiet and gentle and peaceful. And God knows which one will be of the most help to us. The writer to the Hebrews said, Without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. 
For the Israelites in Amos's day, who were under the old covenant, to seek and find was to wholeheartedly participate in the worship of God through sacrifices and obedience to the law and righteous living. For us as 21st century believers who are under the new covenant, to seek and to find is to approach God's throne of grace with confidence in worship and prayer, having received forgiveness and new life through the death and resurrection of Jesus, and to live a life of service filled and equipped by the Holy Spirit to share God's love wherever we go. I'd like to finish with a reflection, a short reflection, um, that I hope you might find helpful in thinking about the areas of your life where perhaps you would like to seek God more. So let's just be quiet for a moment and then I'll read it. Seek me in worship and you will find my holy presence. Seek me in confession and repentance and you will find grace and mercy and forgiveness. Seek me in humble expectation and you will be filled by my spirit. Seek me first and my kingdom and my righteousness and you will find my provision. Seek me in my living word and you will find the bread of life. Seek me in prayer and you will find the peace of burdens lifted. Seek me and discover the joy of serving others. Seek me in your doubts and you will find renewed faith and trust. Seek me in your brokenness and you will find healing and strength. Seek me in your grief and loss and you will find comfort and hope for the future. Seek me in your joyful times and you will find that I share your joy. Seek me and feel my righteous anger at the injustice in the world. Seek me and feel my sorrow for a world that is lost. Seek me and hear your calling to share my love with a broken world. Seek me and find renewed energy and faith in following your calling to become more like Jesus. Seek me in the beauty and power and majesty of creation, in my living word, in the blessing of other believers, but seek me supremely in the person of my Son. Listen to his words. Watch what he does. Walk with him. And then you will see me and know me. Seek me in this life and you will truly live. But also look forward to the day when you take your place in my throne room and all your seeking and searching for answers will melt away as you see me face to face and dwell in my house forever, lost in worship love and praise.
Amen.